Um, I have the pleasure of introducing our speaker today for chapel, Cesar Castileos, is currently serving students and families in Richfield, Minnesota through a collaboration with Young Life and with Hope Church. He's a minister for preaching at Hope Church and the Associate Air Director for Richfield Young Life. He also has a national role with Young Life as the director of the Servant Leadership Project, a leadership training experience that takes place in the summer at multiple sites across the country. Cesar also serves on the chapel teaching team at Bethel University. Beyond ministry work, Cesar runs Live Up Speak Life, a speaking and consulting business, and One of One Clothing, an apparel company. Cesar lives in Richfield with his wife Kate and his three children. Would you please give a Northwestern welcome to Cesar Casaleos? All right, by show of hands, who is graduating or expecting to graduate this spring? Okay, you can, you can cheer for that. You're almost there. You know, as, as Darren was reading all the things I'm part of right now, if you would have told me when I was your age as a senior in college, this is what I was going to do, I would have ran the other direction. I wanted to go into film. I wanted to write films and move to California, be rich and famous, and I live in Richfield now. The thing is, there are a lot of things in your life that don't turn out the way that you plan, but I know this to be true. Proverbs 19.21 says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. When I was 22, I was uh, moved back home. I went to Bethel College back in the day. It was Bethel College. I went there for two years. I transferred to Westmont College in Santa Barbara. I know I was waiting for someone to boo. Uh, but I went to Westmont College in Santa Barbara, California, and I didn't have a job set up, and it's not cheap to live in Santa Barbara, so I moved back to Minnesota to go on part-time staff with Young Life, and I was living in my parents' basement, and so that fall... After my senior year of college, I'm at a, a training for a Young Life staff, and this one guy ruined my life with one question. He was the keynote speaker at this training, and I ran into him on our way to lunch, and I said, hey, what do you wish you knew when you were my age? And he said, let me answer your question with another question. He said, how many things in your life turned out the way that you planned? And I just stood there, and I said, none. He goes, what does that tell you? I go, I don't know, you do. You just ruined my life. When you go to college, it's the most selfish time of your life because you have permission to figure out your life. You can spend time, figure out what you care about, what you're passionate about. So here I am, a graduated senior, and I thought none of the things that I planned for my life turned out the way that I thought they would. If I was clinging to my plans, I would think I was a failure, but he said, ask yourself two questions your whole life. Do you love what you do and are you good at it? Do you love what you do and are you good at it? That taps into your passions and your gifts and talents. He said, don't ask where am I gonna live, how much money am I gonna make? He said, ask yourself two questions. Do you love what you do and are you good at it? And once you start following that path, you realize you're following what God created for you and all the details don't really matter. What I know to be true is this, God gives you a direction, a destination, and it's him. He does not give you the details. And there are many confusing things in your life and they're kind of like puzzle pieces. A puzzle piece 
You might see and you're like, where does this belong? I will tell you, no one knows how to pronounce my name. And because it's Cesar Castileos, that's how I say it. It's a Spanish name because Spain colonized the Philippines. I'm Filipino. So the box that I have to check is Asian. So people look at me and they start speaking Spanish to me. And I say, lo siento, no hablo español. And they, they look at me funny and they, they, they think that I'm supposed to speak Spanish. But I know you can't tell with my accent, but I'm from Fridley. Okay, so I went to California. Everyone spoke speaking Spanish to me. I would go to Filipino things, but I only understood Tagalog, so I wasn't, I wasn't Filipino enough. I went to school and I would know that I'm not white. And so I never fit in. So I was like this puzzle piece just saying, I don't fit in anywhere. And my prayer was, God, just show me the box. Just show me the box. Some of you have this confusing part of your life. I don't know whether it's your family or a past life experience. But our prayer becomes, God, just show me the box so I know where to put myself. This is what he gives you instead of the box. He gives you a mess. And then you're thinking, oh, I'm so confused. And then he gives you this, time. But I know people don't know how to read that, so he gives you this, time. <laughs> he gives you more confusing pieces in your life, and your prayer is like, just show me the box. But what you're really praying is this, God, just show me the travel itinerary. This is what we ask for. Just show me the destination, how long I'm going to be there. And our prayer becomes this, God, what's my plan? What's your plan for my life? Destination, I just want to be happy. Staying period, forever. I just want to be forever happy, but I want to make at least this much per year. Tell me what season I'm going to get married, which one, and this is our prayer. And I hate to break it to you, but that's not how God works. You know, if, if God would have told me that my pathway would include stillbirth, miscarriages, Losing an older brother to sudden cardiac arrest. Being let go of jobs that I desired. If God would have told me that my pathway would include these things, I would have tried my hardest to prevent the pain. But what I've realized is it's the pain that creates the purpose in our lives. In our whole life, we're trying to live to be comfortable, but the greatest growth never came out of the greatest comfort. So you have to hold this thing like, what do I do with the pain? And God, can I give that to you so you can show me my purpose? That's how God works. He doesn't give you details. He gives you a direction. And it's not specific. This is what it says in Micah 6.8. What does God want you to do? What does the Lord require of you when we want a major? Tell me what to major in. Tell me where I should work. Tell me what college to go to. It says this to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Not just for your God, but with your God. He gives you a direction. Do the right thing. Think about the goodness for other people. Live for the sake of others. Act justly and have mercy. That's not personal. That is how to live in the world. But the with, what does it mean to live, live with God? This is what Jesus says, not just Micah, but Jesus even says this. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Some of you have been having a really hard year for a really long time. And some of you are really weary and burdened, and he sends this invitation. He says, 
and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, not just your body, your souls, your entire self will find rest. And I used to think when I was a, a new Christian, I'm like, yolk, yeah, like an egg. Yeah, he's like, wants to be like together like an egg. But this is what a yoke looks like. It looks like something that would held you, hold you in bondage to something else. It looks like handcuffs. This looks like something you don't want. But when Jesus was speaking, he was probably around and he said, hey, I want you to take that. And so they're picturing this and here's what it's used for. You put this yoke around two large animals and it will work together. So when he says, take my yoke upon you, he's saying this, live your life with me, side by side with me. So when you are weak, I can pull you. So I can be with you in the joy and the pain. You're, I want to be right next to you. He doesn't say, hey, take this chariot and let me do all the work for you and just enjoy the ride. He says, this life will require work. It will require pain. But guess what? If you're yoked with me, I will be with you in the joy and pain. And we can live together and push through it together. Galatians 5 says this because sometimes we're not yoked to, to Jesus. For freedom, Christ set us free. That just sounds like a weird statement, for freedom. Like, of course, but we forget that. You might be following Jesus, but my question is this. Are you actually free? Are you experienced true freedom or not? It says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You're connecting yourself to the shame to the sin, to the pain. What are you yoking yourself to if it's not Jesus? And then you're wondering why it's bringing you down. Are you living freely? Do you live in the fullness of the freedom? Or are you still trying to earn it? And I don't have bumper stickers for this message, but if I did, they'd look like this. Be free to set free in 2023. There's my campaign slogan for you. But that's really it. My, my, my hope for, for us uh, as followers of Christ is that we can actually live in the freedom that he offers. So when people that aren't followers of Christ look at us, we look worthy of following. I will tell you, I wish, I wish that were true of Christians. And I know a lot of people aren't following Jesus, and the main reason is because when they look at Christians, they're not living in freedom. And when I think about freedom, I'm reminded of how much I've followed Christ but been yoked to rules in religion. What happens when you get yoked to him, things look different. And because this is a college, I need to give you some steps to learn. So here are the five steps to freedom. Five steps to freedom. The first one is this, let go. In the passage, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. You need to let go of the plans that you have for your own life. You need to let go of the expectations of how God is going to do the things. Here's what I realize. A lot of times we say, hey, Jesus, take the wheel. You might sing the song. You might feel like, oh, Jesus, take the wheel. But we're the best backseat drivers with our faith. Oh yeah, hey, take the wheel. Okay, I'll go to Northwestern, but hey, I want to control this. And then Jesus becomes our Uber driver. Hey, I take the wheel, but I am going to dictate the destination. 
and I want to get there the fastest and the cheapest. Just think about, do you treat Jesus like an Uber driver? Hey, I'm, I want to go here, and then we just hope that he just takes us where we want to go. Some of you have to understand that you holding on to your plans is actually leading to your depression. You holding on to the shame is actually preventing you from experiencing the freedom. But here's the other thing. Some of you are holding on to good things. But you need to let go so he can give you great things. Don't settle for suitable. Some of you have to realize what you're holding on to is good, but because you're holding it on to like this, he can't give you more. He's saying, let go even of the good things so I can give you everything that you deserve. I love my son. This is Cruz. We took him to a gymnastics gym, and I wanted to prevent a tantrum, so I let him bring his toys. And so he brings this elephant and rhinoceros everywhere, and I can't pry him out of his hand. So he's running around this gymnastics gym holding onto these two things, and he would run up to like the slide, and he, I could watch him think, is the slide more fun than these toys? And he's like, no. And then he'd run over here. He's like, oh, I can jump on the trampoline with these. So he's jumping on the trampoline. And so I'm like, put down the toys so you can actually enjoy this whole experience. But he's like, no, oh, I'm going to hold on to these things. And then I see him get to this little obstacle, and I realize it wasn't attached to the floor, and that it rolls, and I saw that it could lead to something, so I started filming it, um, like a loving father would. Uh, and so here's just a little snapshot of this. And so he steps on it, and he rolls, and he can't use his hands to catch himself, and he hits the ground. He survived, everybody. But he got up, and I'm telling him, why did you just let go? Let go of the things. And here's what I want you to think about. What do you need to let go of? Because two things happen when you don't let go. You can't experience all that God has for you because you're holding on to these things. And you say, you run over to these, should I take this job? I don't know, I kind of like this job. Oh, should I hold on to this friendship? Well, I kind of... I kind of like this friendship, so I can't. So you hold on to things, and it prevents you from getting all that God wants to give you. But here's the other thing. Some of you, you holding on to these things actually leads to more pain than it needs to. Cruz could have prevented it if he just let those things go. You need to understand that some of the things you're holding on to need to be let go so you can actually support yourself so you can help others. So you can get through the pain for the sake of others. The second step to freedom is this, invest your life. Invest your life. Proverbs continues, it said, honor, your, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Take everything you have, your whole life. And it says, when you invest these things, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. When you spend something, it's for instant gratification. You go somewhere, you spend money, you get something across the counter. You, you spend it. When you invest something, you put it somewhere so it gains return. So the longer it sits in there, it actually brings back return. When you invest your time, it's different than spending your time. How many of you spend your time? You don't have to raise your hand. Just, just think about it. Just doom scrolling on your phone. Just spending time of useless videos and you're just doom scrolling like, oh my gosh, you feel worse about yourself. And, you, and then you look at the clock and you're like, I just spent an hour and a half watching three-minute videos. How does that work? 
You can either spend your time or you can invest your time. I would catch myself doom scrolling and I realized, you know what, I'm gonna use the phone. The phone is not evil. I just use my phone and start texting friends, praying for them. I said, how do I invest my time on my phone instead of spend it? I would call or send videos to friends and say, I wanna invest my time with my device instead of just doom scrolling on my phone. I will tell you this, what I know over the years of doing the work that I do, the best investment that you can make is not in cryptocurrency, it's not in real estate, it's in other people. Here's a picture of three middle schoolers that I worked with, sixth and seventh graders. The one uh, next to me is a kid named Darby, and then a, a girl named Kelsey, and a kid named Chris. Kelsey and Chris went to Mounds U, and I got to know them as middle schoolers. But my favorite picture, a couple of my favorite pictures are these two pictures. Darby and I and Kelsey at Destiny's Quinceanera. And when Chris Mason and I got to go to Castaway, and I was the camp speaker and he was the camp musician, and we shared the gospel with hundreds of people. And what I realized is through the course of investing in those three young people, I was thinking, am I wasting my time? When I'm at Chick-fil-A and Culver's, I'm like, are you ever going to pay for your own stuff? When I'm thinking I'm, in, I'm spending and wasting my time and money on these young people, to see them pouring their lives into the next generation of young people, I realize that it's so worth the investment and time and money I spent because now they are leading others. This is a picture of Destiny. She's a senior in high school pouring into middle school girls. And she says, I want to prevent them from having to go through the stuff that I went through. And this is a group of our middle schoolers at camp. Twelve of those people in that picture are current high school students that say, I want to give my life and invest in middle schoolers. A former middle school student of mine is here. Tanaya, can you just raise your hand? Yep, she was one of my middle schoolers, so it's fun to see, hey, it works for one. That's why I need to build a team. And so he, that's it, invest your life. The next step to freedom is this, Go. Go. Sometimes we're paralyzed because God doesn't give us the exact plan. And so you're praying, God, just make it clear. I don't want God to make it clear because you might choose the other direction if it's too clear. I want you just to go. You can't steer a boat that's not moving. You have to get moving so God can steer you in the direction where you're supposed to go. He will make straight your paths once you start walking in them. Ephesians 2.10 lays it out like this. For we are his workmanship. You're not a mistake, you're a masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's easy to walk on a path, and it's easier to walk on a path and pave it yourself. It's saying that God has paved the path and given you the gifts that you just have to walk now, one of the things that's really shaped my spiritual growth in the last three months is I started reading the First Nations version of the New Testament. And this is a version of the Bible that is translated for indigenous North Americans. And in this passage, or in all of the New Testament, they take the name of Jesus, and the name of Jesus is translated, Creator Sets Free. 
Every single time you read the name Jesus, it says, creator sets free, Jesus. And that has helped me live into the freedom. And this is what Ephesians 2.10 sounds like in the First Nations version. We are like clay in his hands. It's not self-help. We are like clay in his hands, molded from the chosen one, made to be like him, and walking the ancient pathways he originally created us for, that you were created with intention and purpose, that you were crafted in such a way to do good works. You just have to go. Fourth step to freedom. Honor God. Proverbs said, honor the Lord with your wealth. To honor God means that you make decisions and you choose jobs and you ask yourself, God, would this be honoring to you? Will I be a good steward of my gifts and talents if I did this? It means your decisions actually aren't just for you, but you think, will this choice, will this direction honor you? Jesus talks about what it looks like to honor him. It says this in Matthew 5, 14 to 16, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. To live means doing good works for his glory, and people say, oh, thank God for you. That's what it means. It means you show up to the darkness. Christians need to know how to function in darkness, okay, and not just hide in it. We're called to be a light in dark places. My question is, are you running from the darkness, or do you understand that we're called to be a light in the darkness? You got to do some work on the front end before you step in, but just know you're not supposed to stay at Christian colleges your whole life. You're not just supposed to go to church that we're called to be in the world and know that he's with us when we're in it. Here's the other thing about this passage. It's not about the power of the light, it's about the placement of the light. So you don't light a lamp and put it under a bowl, you put it on a stand. Some of us Christians think, oh, we just need to get better and brighter. No, you just have to go where you're supposed to be. It has nothing to do with power, it's all about your positioning. Are you with him or not? The last step, the fifth step to freedom is this. Trust him. In Proverbs, it says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son whom he delights in. You have to trust him. Here's the thing, God does not give you trust, he gives you opportunities to trust him. He doesn't give you courage, he gives you opportunities to be courageous. But what we want is comfort, but he's like, no, I'm going to give you myself, I'm going to walk through the cross with you. Are you trusting him? When things don't make sense, when circumstances don't make sense, are you trusting him? This is what it said in Psalm. Psalm 119, this is what, it's, it, it kind of gives us a picture. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The problem is what we pray 
is, God, I don't want a lamp, I want headlights. I want to see five years out. Give me a year out. The imagery we have in the psalm is, no, when you have a lamp, it only illuminates the next step. Because if God showed you any more, you might go this way. He's saying, your word is a lamp to my feet that I have to walk slowly, and when I see the next step, I'm just going to take the next step. And here's what I'm learning today. Then you need to trust him when things don't make sense and when the pain is present. On Thursday, it's going to be a year to the day that we lost one of our students due to gun violence outside the school. Jamari Rice. And I just found out this morning that one of our students was hit by a drunk driver on Friday. And his friends are in pain right now. And in these moments, I'm not praying, God, show me the plan. What I'm praying is, God, show me your hand. I don't care about the plan, just show me your hand in this moment. And for some of you, that's the next step. It's not what you're going to do for the rest of your life. You're just saying, God, just show me your hand right now. And I don't get it, and I'm angry, and I'm, I'm all confused, but all I know is this, he's faithful. And it's my choice here. Do I walk or do I stand? And this is the choice that you have. Are you going to stay in your pain or are you going to walk with him for a purpose? You have the choice to make. And here's what I want to give you some encouragement is that with time, things will make sense. Like two puzzle pieces. Over time, they will make sense. When I said I was so, identi- I was so confused with my identity, am I uh, Spanish speaking, am I Asian, am I white? I can fit in everywhere. But because I was so ethnically ambiguous, I kind of fit in with all different types of kids. So here's a picture of our Young Life students. And because they feel like, oh, I feel like he can identify with me, what they found out is that I just care about them. It doesn't matter what race I am or ethnicity. That when I show up, and I thought it was me just kind of being a light in the community. But here's the encouragement to you that are still trying to figure out your life. This is what I said as a seventh grader about what I was going to do for the rest of my life. Teacher or basketball player? That's the dilemma. I stopped growing, which made it easier. He's not sure which he will become, but whichever he chooses, he is sure that his teachers have been a tremendous influence. I'll go to the end. At the end, it says this. Cesar most enjoys geography. I really like to learn about other cultures. I want to know what other people think. Do we see them the way they really are? And... How do they see us? What can we do to understand each other better? I can't even remember saying those things. But God's plan for my life started even before I started following him. The last thing I want to end with this is this picture of a light. This light, L-I-G-H-T. The five steps of freedom remind you of your identity to let go, invest your life, go Honor God and trust him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this group. I pray that you pry our fingers off our own lives so we can receive all that you're giving us, the freedom, the joy, everything. Help us be the light and be free so we can set others free. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.